Welcome to Strung Out, the podcast that looks at life through the lens of an artist. Your host is the artist, writer, and musician, Martin Lawrence McCormack. Now here's Marty. Hey everybody, great to have you with us on this podcast. I just came in off the road from doing a series of shows with Switchback. We were up in Door County, Wisconsin, which is a very beautiful part of the world to be in. The little town of Egg Harbor, which really has its act together. They have the Crest Pavilion in which Terry Lundahl, a friend of mine who I love dearly, has been able to put together shows featuring some fantastic artists. The Winter Series was at Crest Pavilion. If you get a chance to go up there and check it out, you should. People that live on the East Coast or the West Coast should actually make a journey there to get a slice of that Midwestern experience. Who knows? You might end up moving there. But before the show started for us, I took just a little window of opportunity to talk to my dear friend, Dorothy Scott. I've known Dorothy for about 20 years, maybe a little longer than that. But Dorothy is one of these great musicians that you have to see live in performance to fully appreciate everything that you're getting. I think that she should call herself the Dorothy Scott experience. You have to experience her shows because she's one of these kinds of performers that um, is captivating. Everything is sewn up in the delivery. And it's like this powerful being that you watch. And then to know her and talk to her, she's a very quiet kind of human being, a very gentle soul. So it's a wonderful dichotomy between the two. And uh, I wanted to take advantage of the time before the show to talk to her about her thoughts about art. In this case, in particular, the music end of things, creating song. And it was very loud. And I apologize in advance for the quality of the recording because uh, people were coming in and getting ready for a show. I'm sitting there with my little recorder with Dorothy. We finally moved off into a kitchen, which was perfect until the refrigerator turned on. But that's what it is. So I apologize for that. I found this site called the Ectophiles Guide to Good Music. It looks like it's a Canadian site. And I just wanted to read what this one reviewer said. She said that Dorothy Scott is about as close as many of us can get to seeing Mary Margaret O'Hara perform live. Sloan Wainwright once likened her performance to getting your molecules rearranged. She is only just visiting this planet and her performances are wonderfully disconnected experiences that need to be seen to be believed. I think that's an excellent way of summing it up. You would fall in love with her. So let's listen in to Dorothy Scott on Strung Out.
the mountains, past the heavens, past the sunshine, I still see in your eyes, pass it on, pass it on, heaven is right here upon this earth, pass it on, pass it on.
Now let's move on to the interview with Dorothy. And again, I apologize for the quality of sound, but here she is, Dorothy Scott. Welcome to Strung Out, and we're on location right now at the Mary Cress building, right? Just Cress Center. Cress Center, and I have with me Dorothy Scott. And Dorothy Scott is a singer-songwriter, been in the business for a long time, and I'm just going to take advantage of the fact that I'm going to ask her some questions as people come in for the Switchback concert tonight. Dorothy, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Martin. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you here. This series I'm calling The Philosophy of Art. And I wanted to ask you, as a singer-songwriter, what are your thoughts? Just on the philosophy of art? Yeah. What inspires you? It used to be the, I would be inspired by, like, the moon. I think with any writer, there's the angst, whether it's Mm -hmm. a broken heart or something you're thinking about or you want to work through that's a good source of inspiration for a song and then there's a lot of writers that just say they were there on the ready as a vessel when it just came through them have you had that experience before where you feel like the muse has touched you in a way yeah like certain songs you probably know when it falls upon you then you're like oh this really seems like very purposeful otherworldly almost yeah and or just as opposed to wrong because and then there are times when you write a song you're like one day you're like oh wow i really like this song and then the next day you're like oh my gosh i hate that song the process i think as artists get older and more experienced they realize that it all is just a process and so if you can find all the right elements in that process and have them work in your life accordingly, then you'll be quote unquote successful. Is that how you define success in the music business? I think I do now. In my early days, if you must know, there was always, when I was in New York pressures, you got to get signed. You got to be signed. It's like, it's like after a while, I'm like hogwash, you get all, get away from me, all of you. Because that's really just messing up my head. Yeah, so that was then and this is now. You knew Jeff Buckley, right? I did, yeah. What was he like when it came to the idea of... His father, Tim Buckley, was a great songwriter himself and also perished at a young age but made a tremendous amount of wonderful records, a lot of live records. But so Jeff came upon music with the shadow of his father looming around him. And so in our conversations, I would get that a little bit, but he would try try not to have that be like his beginning and end all of every, mm-hmm. tried to pave his own road that was certainly inspired by his father, but he wanted to be obviously his own artist as Jeff Buckley instead of just Jeff Buckley, the son of Tim Buckley. Did you guys ever trade songs, bounce ideas, that sort of thing? A little bit, yeah. We sang a couple songs together one New Year's Eve night, which was at Chenet. Um And one time I cooked him some spaghetti, <laughs> a spaghetti dinner. He had a great sense of humor, but he also had a, a fairly big, dark side. He was extremely disciplined. His singing, especially, go through stages of smoking cigarettes and not smoking cigarettes, but he would be walking down the streets of New York just singing, working his voice. How long were you in New York? About 15 years, I guess. In the good old days, early 90s. Um, I would consider that the good old days. (laughs) Come with me. We'll go to a quieter room. Okay. 
I'm going to take a little break here as I walk with Dorothy to the quieter room. This past weekend, my daughter Anya just turned nine years old. And so we're going to have a musical break with the song that was written for her called She's Going to Change the World. You're listening to Strung Out. director of Marty's Online Art Gallery at martinmccormick.com. If you haven't done so already, I invite you to go check out his artwork. He works in several different formats, painting, illustration, drawings, and a very unique way of doing scratch art, which I think you'll find very interesting. So go check it out, martinmccormick.com. Click on the gallery, look at the art, And when you're ready to start your own collection, send me an email 
at martyfineart at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. Let's listen in a little more on this interview with Dorothy Scott on the philosophy of art. I want to get back to you and your your art. So 15 years you were in New York. Where was home before that? I grew up in New Hampshire. So an East Coaster. <clears throat> yeah, I'm an East Coaster. And then I lived out in Eugene for a while. Then I moved to Portland, Maine. That's where I started playing music in Portland, Maine. I was extremely shy. I still am, but I was ridiculously. So back then and then from Portland, I moved to New York. And what inspired you to do that? Oh, Eugene, well, originally my sister was out there with my nephews, her two boys, and she needed some help, so I went Uh out. And I wasn't like a full-on musician then. I really wasn't a full-on musician until Maine, even though I was playing music at the age of five. Whatever, it takes a while. But from New York, those were the days where I would travel to Ireland and Sweden and Canada for tours and stuff. And you never were hired by a label or wanted to do that sort of thing. You Um, felt independent, right? Yeah. In New York, I definitely, there was interest, which was wonderful. And to the point, even Island Records, like I had a six record, six year contract mapped out and we were making demos, (laughs) meeting producers. And, but then all of a sudden I was like, I don't like the, my songs. I don't like this whole producer thing. I don't want to continue, so I ended it. Brave thing to do. Yeah, but it's. I think it was, I try to follow my gut, and my gut, even though that's a great label, Island Records, and who knows where I would be if I had done that, but it's also it's a 50-50 chance that the road might have been more unpleasant than pleasant. To be a, an artist, you have to go to what life hands you, right? Yeah, yeah. The word resourcefulness comes to mind. That's in like writing songs. What do you borrow from? What artist do you borrow? What is, I think we're all doing that. Do you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm an artist? No, because now I have a dog. (laughs) So I wake up and I'm like, I have a dog. I think of myself, I guess that's part of being involved within the process of just a First and foremost, a human being. Kindness. I work with children. I paint houses. I'm a master of many, what is, wait. Jack of all trades? Right, master of all jacks, except for, yeah. But obviously when I play music, then I feel like an artist or a musician or whatever. How many years have you been here now in Wisconsin? Going on like 20. And how do you feel about that? Good. I love Wisconsin. I love the people. The people love original music. They love music and the arts, and they're just kind. I know my family in the East Coast is oftentimes like, oh, we'll move back. I'm like, but I don't, every time I go back there, I don't, I like certain aspects, but there's a lot of aspects that I don't really relate to. Well, I hear you talk. You are one of the few artists I feel truly is an artist in the sense that this is a calling. This is a way of life. You don't have any of these grandiose ideas. I think the trick is not really to think too much about it. In what way? Because you don't want to be tormented by it. You want always to be blessed by it. Especially now, I would say, I would tend to say, I'm grateful that I do have these gifts where before... I wouldn't necessarily think maybe one way or the other about it. Does some of that come with just being in it for years? Or? I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not 
like trying to get guys. I'm not trying to change the world necessarily, but I do what music can create, not only for myself, but for those that partake in it. What would be your thoughts to somebody that if they came up to you and said, I want to be a musician, what would you say to them? Got to figure out what instrument speaks to you the most. And then if you don't have an ear and or natural talent, then you'll probably have to get some lessons, but then do your diligence and practice. I used to practice four hours a day. I guess that's what I'd say. Do you think people get hung up on the idea of having to be a success in the music business? Do you think that's something that people that go into this, they have these grandiose ideas? Right. Or I guess the only time I can speak through experience, my days in New York when there was label interest and I got to open for Joan Armour trading on a small tour, I got, you know... Coke Taylor, the Jeff Buckley thing, Sinead O'Connor. But it's so, moreover, for me, it was like pressure from other people. Like, And then in parts of me, sometimes I'd be like, yeah, they're right. I need to be signed. I need to, you know. And so then, and then it just, and once that finally left me, I, I think it was the most beautiful feeling of all, really. Because it's like when you're searching for something And like, I think in all of life, like searching, but if you just go and immerse yourself in the search, then you will find what it is that you're looking for. Does the music, the muse feel like a palpable, real kind of force in your life? Is that the thing that you're searching for and surrendering to? When I write, and yeah, that's my ultimate goal, just to kind of be it within the realm of the music, as opposed to like being there playing, but really inside your body and your mind and your spirit. You obviously want to be within that moment and then within the music. And it's for all kinds of musicians and all kinds of music. It's really, it's all the same, I think. Yeah, yeah. And... Going forward, what do you feel like? Do you feel you found your stride in life? Would that be the um, right way to put it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I'm in my 60s, so I should know now how to live. So I got that down. And I got a band in spite of the strange times. I think maybe sometimes I feel like it's making people work harder or search more thoroughly for those moments and for the kindness and and for the things that matter because really that's all we have at the end and those memories of that. Do you feel like your music needs to live on or are you like whatever happens and I'm just passing through? Yeah, or, um, I just want to, I kind of want to perish before my dog. <laughs> I've been having those discussions, but she's, you've got six years Maybe work on that. I'm going to obviously find the solution there. But as far as my music, obviously it will be, as we make records, they're somewhat immortal because you can play them years after and stuff. It doesn't worry my head one way or the other. You know what I mean? I think that's great. I think a lot of people are going to feel when they hear you, they're going to feel like you just lifted something off their shoulders. Because I think a lot of people work with angst. In the music world. And they relate to it, the listeners do. And then that your last question made me think of, as an artist, maybe she should come to the Peggy, but actually she, she's dead. Sorry. Eva Cassidy. Oh, yeah. But what happened with her, she made all these wonderful records, and then 
she passed away some kind of cancer, I think. And then this radio station in London found her records when she was huge. But so sometimes that happens to artists. It's happened lots of times. And I bet you and I both will think, why can't they just appreciate us while we're here in the flesh and blood? And that, again, is part of the process. I think if you appreciate yourself, maybe it's that. I love what you're saying. And I, I want to thank you. Thank you, Martin. We're getting ready for yeah, a show and you're and doing you're a I really appreciate your candor. And here we are standing in a kitchen. <laughs> and we haven't seen each other. <laughs> we haven't seen any. Yeah, I'm because. I'm very much forward to hearing well, you sing. It's you know. just a great friendship that <clears throat> we're fortunate to have. And I hope people listening will be inspired by what you said. And I know they will be. I want to thank Dorothy Scott for being such a brave and good soul for allowing me to put her Ill at ease asking her all these questions. I really appreciated her taking the time. And again, if you get a chance, go and see her. February 24th is going to be the next date that you can see her performing. She has a Facebook site. Look up Dorothy Scott and you'll find the information about the show that's going to be taking place. And Dorothy will be there with her full band. A must-see opportunity. I want to thank you again for listening to Strung Out, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. For more information about this show or a transcript, visit martinmccormack.com. While there, sign up for our newsletter. See you next time on Strung Out. Joyce, giving us that.